You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Hornets Twitter and Hornets fans in general have pretty much all joined in a game that has been really fun to play at the end of the regular season, and now... It has trickled down into the postseason. Yeah, I love it. It's a game called, if blank happened, that would be the most Hornets thing ever. And so in the latest episode of That's So Hornets. That's so Hornets. MCW hitting not one, but two three-pointers this weekend in game one against the Raptors. And of course, former Bobcat, DJ Augustine, hitting the biggest three-pointer and be a 25-point killer helped the Orlando Magic Again, win game one against the Toronto Raptors. Who were they coached by, you ask? You all know it's Steve Clifford. Former Hornets and Bobcats everywhere with their fingerprints on that game and the victory for the Orlando Magic. If Luke Kennard knocking the Hornets out of playoff contention is the royal flush in the most Hornets thing ever pot, MCW DJ Augustine, their performances, that's the straight flush. That's close. Not quite taking the pot, but we saw a lot of that this weekend. It's America's favorite game. That's so horny. I want to play that game. I mean, we have more than enough content to throw out a ton of different examples. We should do that this week. We should try to think of all of the examples that happened this year and throw it out there and see who exactly, what is exactly the most Hornets-like thing, because that's the game that we've all played on Twitter, and I've enjoyed it, because there have been so many examples. We saw it again this postseason. I want to get on that. I'm your host, Kobe Donovan. <laughs> Are you going to talk like that the entire podcast? I might. <laughs> no, but if anyone awesome. if anyone is actually serious about this, if they are lamenting the fact that all of these former Bobcats and Hornets players are doing well elsewhere, I mean, you have to know that's it's not that's not how things work. Like DJ Augustine, was, except for with the Hornets, seriously. But but it's but DJ Augustine was never going to be a <laughs> this level player with the Hornets. Players have to jump around to different franchises. Sometimes they find a trainer that they like. They try something new. They find a coaching situation that they like, and suddenly, out of really nowhere, they blossom. I mean, DJ Augustine was on several teams after he left the after he left the Bobcats. So that's not how things work. I mean, if you look at the last time the Hornets made the playoffs. I mean, Utah fans could have done the same thing, right? They could have looked at Marvin Williams and Big Al Jefferson and thought, hey, wait a minute, of where were those? Of course that happens to yeah. the Utah Jazz. That's the most jazz thing ever for That's Marvin. so jazz. That's the most jazz thing ever for Al Jefferson to get all NBA and Marvin Williams to finally start down, knocking down threes and playing well. You could see that easily. But the Orlando Magic, they're balling right now, at least in game one. And what if I told you Vucevic... With three field goals, Terrence Ross with just a couple field goals, Aaron Gordon with just three field goals. Those three guys that do a lot of the scoring for that team with all three field goals or fewer and they end up winning the basketball game against the Raptors. Well, you just did it right there. You just explained it. I did tell against you that. the Raptors. Oh, that, it's that's game it. one for the Raptors. Yeah, I mean that's it. They're that's like, what you. Yeah, put it on the poll. Is Toronto ever going to win anything that has game one labeled? Orlando it? could have played four on five for the first half 
and still managed to win that game. The Toronto, this is what the Toronto Raptors do. What Kyle Lowry went over seven, zero right? points for Kyle Lowry. It was so bad. And I tweeted this out. He was good in the playoffs last year. DeMar DeRozan was awful. It was the last game that Kyle Lowry had a bad one against Cleveland and Cleveland. That was at a point where they were up three, nothing. I'm not going to say that Kyle Lowry mailed it in, but you could understand how maybe down three, nothing you're pressing, trying to do whatever. And that was a bad game. But I thought that maybe Kyle Lowry well past 30 had gotten past that hurdle because it was DeMar DeRozan that was so god-awful defensively, offensively, so awful last season. And they decided to move on from DeRozan and revamp that roster, getting Kawhi Leonard, getting Danny Green with playoff experience, Marcus Gasol, playoff experience, getting a couple of new guys in there. It made sense to me, and I thought Kyle Lowry would be okay as the point guard. Zero points for Kyle Lowry. That's unbelievable once again for the Toronto Raptors. I, I totally believe it. <laughs> you've I'm, been, I'm a Toronto. Well, you, I, I you've been Toronto, on this. Yeah. yeah. You've I'm been a Toronto on, hater. You've been on it the entire time that the Toronto Raptors, it doesn't matter what they do to their roster, that they're never going to break away from the mold that is them struggling in the postseason, including in game ones. I want to get back to MCW hitting a couple three-pointers because it reminded me of a little thing that I looked up at the end of the regular season just for the Charlotte Hornets looking up totals for guys, looking up averages for guys, just you know some different trends that might be happening. And so MCW shoots a few three-pointers, hits a couple. Somebody that you would never have any kind of faith in to hit shots from beyond the arc, yet it came at a very opportune time for the Orlando Magic and it really helped them win. And so what reminded me a little bit of Oklahoma City, where Andre Robertson has not had that bad of a postseason shooting career. You look at what he's done in the playoffs. What would you guess his three-point shooting percentage is in the in the postseason? Under 30, 20, 29 percent. 35. Wow. And 35% for Andre Robertson, by the way, that's not on the smallest sample size in the world. That's at about two and a half three-pointers per game that he's taken in 2015, 2016, 2016, 2017. Played 18 games in 2015 and 16. That was the last year with Kevin Durant. That was when they had the 3-1 lead on the Golden State Warriors. And then in 2016-2017, that was when they were going up against the Houston Rockets. They would eventually lose that series. That was the first year without KD. But he shot 41% on three attempts per game in the five games that he played. And so it brought me back to MKG. And I was looking at his stats at the end of the year, and there was something that was pretty significantly different when you look at just the totals of what he's done. So, Doug, looking at MKG's shot selection from beyond the arc this season, how many total three-pointers do you think he took? I'll say 25. He may, he took 47. Wow. More than one every two games, which for him is surprising. I would have guessed about what you guessed as well and he's been out of the rotation and, and had a few dnps right. this year so if That's we right. average that out it's probably a little bit more yeah 47 points or excuse me 47 total three-point attempts this season what do you think he shot percentage how many do you think he made i'll say 34 percent. yeah that's what it was <laughs> it was 34 that's yeah. excellent great job 34 percent is not the worst in the world. 47 total shots. That's not a huge sample size. Nobody is going to confuse MKG for Steph Curry, but it makes you wonder that is by far the most shot attempts MKG has taken from beyond the arc since his time being in the league where you've seen his playing time dwindle down under James Borrego. And maybe that's one thing under Steve Clifford that I would have liked to have seen more. I know that's weird. 
I would like to see MKG shoot more. But in those situations where nobody respected him out in the three-point line, and they still really don't, but at least he took enough to where he shot 34%, that's enough damage where you're okay with that. Imagine Ben Simmons just shooting damn 30%. Imagine MKG on a larger sample size shooting just 30 So my point is, even when you get in the playoffs, Doug, MC- I was waiting on a point. Yeah, MCW, is that what it was? <laughs> MCW shooting a couple of shots from beyond the arc in the postseason. In the postseason, how many total are we talking about? Where I, I'm one of the worst as far as getting lost in efficiency. I think it's important. But in the postseason, mm-hmm. if you shoot 40% from beyond the arc compared to somebody's 30, you know, how many total three-pointers are we talking about for most? Is it the difference of three more hit shots in some cases? You know, four, five, however many the same. You sure. get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like MC, MCW, if he's alone on an island outside because nobody wants to guard him, shoot it. Might win you a game if you're a seven seed. Well, I was going to say, that's probably, if I were to speculate on why you see guys like uh, Robertson and MCW and and maybe in some universe where the Hornets make the playoffs and MKG knock down three-pointers in the playoffs is because defensive strategies change. Uh, defenses are keying in on on the best players on the other team to make sure that you you limit those players, and there's probably even more space for those guys. And the and the offensive t- you know the offensive side of the ball is looking for advantages. And if you've got a player that's wide open, even if their percentages are are down a little bit, yeah, you take the shot. You look for those advantages. Yeah. So I allowed my brain to wander right there. I didn't expect to be talking MKG three point shot selection at this point, but I thought with the playoffs, and it was just weird because a block fire. We we were discussing MCW's contributions from behind the three point line, and then it kind of tied into maybe you know allowing an MKG to shoot more if he's going to be on this team or just wherever he goes or just the kind of strategy that surrounds some of those players offensively and what the head coaches decide to do are you in your car a lot driving to work driving the kids around if you have a smart device in your car and more and more of you do now tell your smart device to play locked on hornets don't fumble around with your phone and bluetooth just say play locked on hornets and make drive time loh time we'll take a quick break we'll come back hornets got some good news as far as the draft lottery goes it's the locked on hornets podcast on the locked on podcast network this is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. Thanks for joining us in what's been the most useless opening segment of an LOH pod ever. <laughs> I Trying to take a step about? back and just kind of look at the subject of that. That was my own brain wandering into just weird stats. That was you and I all looking at basketball reference just for the simple case to look at basketball reference just for the hell of it. That was what that opening segment was. It was the equivalent of going down a rabbit hole, a Wikipedia rabbit hole, and you come out like four hours later. You've got half a half a beard. Uh, you haven't. I think eaten I have Cheeto dust on my face right now. 
<laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, you know, there's not anything big around the Hornets happening right now, like a, a big star with free agency coming up or anything. Now, let's talk about MKG's three. <laughs> you made the joke during the break that next up we'll talk about Kimba Walker's block percentage. Well, yeah. Let's talk about that. That's, That's a key. So, Hornets. <laughs> That's key in the playoffs. Kimba Walker needs to be able to defend the rim, put him in the paint, have everybody do exactly the opposite of what they're good at. That's what I wanted to open up with today. Let's open up with something. The set. Let, let's do a redo. This is the opening segment. If anybody okay. is listening, I, I, maybe we can put a warning at the beginning to just go ahead and fast forward the first ten minutes and get to this segment. This should. I be, think most people do anyway. Yeah, I think they. I think they just kind of get to the end. They look for the Doug takes and they play that all the Doug holics out there. Let's look at the Hornets having the twelfth best odds now. That's exactly what happened over the weekend. I think it was ping pong balls. Am I not mistaken? I think they actually drew it like a lottery before the actual lottery and the Hornets ping pong ball was selected the Hornets they get the 12th best odds after they were tied with the Miami Heat and the Sacramento Kings so somewhat significant there moving up two spots I'll take it which is by the way a kind of a boring way to break a tie like you're already going to do ping pong balls anyway to determine who gets the top three picks and so you do ping pong balls again to break ties let's let's think of something a little bit more creative than that nba let's go with a bam Adebayo, willie collie stein and mkg three-point shooting contest all three of them whoever hits the most three-pointers that team gets the 12th best pick in the or best odds i should say in the nba draft. okay I, I like where your head's at but let me counter that with america ninja warrior style competition with the general managers of each team. I want to see Cupcheck. This is quite different. Go American Ninja Warrior with Devots. Yeah, exactly. And with Pat Riley with real implications <laughs> on the line. Yeah, I'd love that. Would that not be the best? Who wins that? Cupcheck does not win that. Or hell, let's just do a game of twenty-one. All three of those are former players. I'll I'll take. You got to take Devots in that, right? I mean, Vlade is going to win. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Because I think it is Devots. Vlade, daddy. Vlade, we like to party. <laughs> That's Dougie Fresh. I hope everybody got the joke of that because as you referenced, a du- that was a Dougie Fresh rhyme that you just mentioned. And I would love for your MC name to be Dougie Fresh. We can bring that back. Bad. There's also Dougie Doug was an actor at one point. Yeah, so give me Dougie of, Fresh. A couple of good Doug nicknames. I was explaining. Did I just ruin the joke by explaining the deeper levels to it? Or should I have allowed the listeners to get that? Was it better for me to? Well, see, now you've ruined it for the listeners who did get it, who mm-hmm. felt exclusive. Now they're like, wait a minute. Now everyone gets it. I'm not special. And uh, I can resume my normal life now, I guess. Just another day where I ruined the podcast with MKG three-pointer talk and explaining every single joke, which is the cardinal sin of a good joke. Doug, let's transition to you. I know you have done some stat research and some history on the 12th overall selections in the NBA draft over the course of the years. I don't know how good they are, but I feel like maybe I'm kind of trying to help you out by looking this up a little bit more am i doing that correctly or are you no i'm good i'm okay. good i mean i'm gonna bounce around here there are some huge names and some funny names would you like a really like oh my god i can't believe this player was drafted 12 overall or would you just like the funny names or maybe we'll mix it up we can go funny big give me a mix i want both all right we'll go big first how about dr j julius irving 1972 out of mass and I'm going to play my, I didn't have it ready, sorry, I'm going to play my reveal fanfare there. It wasn't turned up. There we go. Let's do it again. 
That's excellent. All right, Dr. J, 12th overall. That would certainly be fantastic if the Hornets found a Dr. Dr. J resurrection. What else you got? Well, listen, sometimes you find a Dr. J, and then sometimes, like in 2004, if you're the Seattle Supersonics, you find a Robert Swift oh, at number 12. Oh, gross. Oh, maybe I should play a different one for this. Yeah, that one's a dunce. That's perfect. There we go. Robert Swift... Not only was his play gross, but he as a human being was one of the more gross guys out there. This didn't really work out for the Washington Bullets, who had the 12th pick in the year of my birth, 1987, but it did work out for another team. How about Tyrone Muggsy Bogues out of Wake Forest? All right. That's a good one. I'll take Tyrone Muggsy Bogues. I want the resurrect. Give me the next 5-3 point guard that's an all-time great. And maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit on the all-time great part. Yeah, don't tell me that. Well, and so sometimes, you know, the player has to change teams. And then sometimes a player just stays with a team for a long time, but stays there in relative obscurity, like my guy Vlad Rad, Vladimir Radmanovich, 2001. <laughs> Vlad Rad. By the Seattle. Yeah, Seattle Supersonics had a ton of 12 picks. I'm counting four or five right off the bat. Give me all of them. Who else you got? Vlad Rad. All right, Vlad Rad, Robert Swift, I've said those. Then we had Nick Collison because they had the pick two years. They had the 12 pick two years in a row in 03, 04. So Nick Collison, who else we got? Seattle Super Richard Lewis, I could see getting drafted 12th overall. Frank Olenek? It's not Olenek. Olenek? Frank Olenek? I don't know that one. Uh, A couple of, uh, oh, UNC Charlotte here. Cedric Maxwell, number 12 overall. We were supposed to talk to Cedric Maxwell. I'm mad at him. We were supposed to interview him last Tuesday, talk to Cornbread, and he didn't allow us to do so, well, which is unfortunate. Nada has spoken with, we play, we put it on the uh, Patreon page, Nada has spoken with the number 12 pick in 1995, Cherokee Parks out of Duke. Well, that's kind of high. I didn't expect that. And so an 11th overall selection, Doug, and you've been on this pretty much all season. Or 12 overall. Well, 11th overall selection was Malik Monk. Oh, you didn't I allow me to finish I'm my sorry. transition. I'm sorry. It's okay. You've had a rough, ver- I was just trying to help you out. You've had a rough show. No, I've been bad. <laughs> I've, I've been bad, and I decided to transition to Malik Monk. But you've been on this all season long, that Malik Monk might just be a guy that moves on to a different team, and that's where he finds success. He mm-hmm. doesn't find it with James Borrego. He's tried with Borrego. It's not a regime that wanted him. His own head coach the first time didn't want him, and that's got to be hard, right? Like if you think about that, we're talking about Rich Cho and maybe Michael Jordan. I don't know how much he went in and tried to scare everybody into selecting the guy that he wants. I don't know if this was a Frank Kaminsky situation. I don't know how much he wanted Malik. But we know Rich Cho, that was the rumbling, was that Rich Cho wanted Malik Monk or, and Steve Clifford wanted Donovan Mitchell. And so we could be talking about Michael Jordan maybe not caring as much and saying, yeah, let's go with Malik. And I didn't mind the pick at the time. I loved the pick at the time. But Malik Monk not being wanted by your original head coach and then the regime afterwards doesn't look like they want you 100% either. Well, and both Rich Cho and Steve Clifford had their jobs on the line at that point and needed a good performance out of that season. And you could see it from Rich Cho's perspective. Even though Malik Monk was young at 19 years old, he was a guy that I think a lot of people considered as plug-and-play, somebody that was going to come in and be able to knock down shots early on. And and we talk about it a lot. If Malik Monk, even in his rookie season, had come in and be able been able to knock down a few shots consistently, he probably would have found some kind of role in the rotation despite his poor play on defense. But that just never materialized for him. No, it didn't. And so now Malik Monk 
he had we had some comments from Mitch Kupchak and his press conference. We talked about his press conference on Friday. One thing I don't think we did talk about was Mitch Kupchak did mention that Malik Monk is a young player that needs to get more bulk on him, which is certainly Beef. the case. I mean, he is so skinny. He's so tiny. And I do think the NBA and the NFL, they both do a good job of putting meat on those bones. But Malik Monk just simply hasn't had the weight gain that I hope that he would at this point. And, of course, just getting shots up, just getting better. Mitch Kupchak, it seems like he wants to roll with Malik Monk, understanding he is a younger basketball player, rather than selling him, which is something that I've kind of been preaching here for the last second half. So you're saying that Mitch Kupchak wants a calorie spike out of Malik Monk. He wants Malik Monk to become Malik Chunk. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. That is so good. (laughs) Malik Chunk needs to be the next basketball player in that body out there on the floor. And I'm hoping that it happens, but it's something that Mitch Kupchak, that's kind of the philosophy that he's going down as well, referencing he is young. It doesn't seem like he wants to give up on him as of yet, but also you have to be wary. The time certainly is running out on how good you feel about him, if you even do at this point. But as you said, sometimes it takes a scenery change for these types of players to to find their groove, like the number 12 overall pick in 2012, Jeremy Lamb. Okay. Jeremy Lamb was a guy that, as you mentioned, that's the comparison that you've made a couple of times. Malik Monk turning into Jeremy Lamb and finding some success once he does go to a different basketball team. And now Jeremy Lamb is going to get paid. Jeremy Lamb is going to get a lot of money not playing for the Charlotte Hornets next year. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll, we'll take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit more about the NBA playoffs next. It's LOH on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. Unless Mitch has Buzz on his lap. And Buzz is sort of Santa the vent- style. The, I like it. Oh yeah, or ventriloquist. You know. <laughs> well, let's see how how, how much ventri- ventriloquist yeah. are we going? <laughs> I don't think anything, or I don't, I don't want to go that much. Whoa, yeah, I don't want to go with ventriloquist. Let's go. I like the Santa style a little bit more. Either one is creepy. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network talking about the good fortunes that did come the Hornets way, which is something that we don't say often. They do get the 12th best odds to land the 12th best pick in the draft and maybe even a little bit higher. It doesn't mean that they're guaranteed to get the 12th overall selection. It's just highly likely that they're going to stand there. And no one should take that for granted, right? You should be very thankful that the Hornets, yeah, the, the Hornets, basically they jumped two spots and didn't have to do anything. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if I really expect the Hornets to make this pick. I'm going to get out early on this take that no okay. one's going to remember. But I really feel like this ta- this uh, this pick gets dealt in some way because this is a weak draft. How does it get dealt? I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. I said this was early. I'm still <laughs> developing this. But I'm saying that like this is a weak draft. I don't know that they're really going to find an impact player at number 12 overall. To me, when I look at the list, it this draft really drops off a cliff around 7 or 8. So if they can't move up or move back and maybe get some salary cap relief, I mean, that to me would be the sort of first thing that comes to mind if you could package this pick with salary relief. Well, then 
then I'll bring Malik Monk's name up again as being, you know, somewhat attractive because of his young age. It's not a great value right now, but is that something that you would package together to get off of a Nick Batum and therefore making Zach Lowe's prediction come true? I mean, I could see that scenario. If if you were to say that prediction comes true, which I agree I, I, as you make that face at being really tough just to let the listeners in on it a little bit. You know, I, you make a face and I agree with you. It's really going to be tough. I, I don't think that Nick Batum is going to be off of this team next season if that were to be the case if that were to come to fruition then maybe trading the 12th overall selection along with a Malik Monk getting back a young reclamation project along with getting rid of Nick Batum you know I could see how maybe that would be something that could happen and listen I would be totally on board with it and I think anyone listening should be on board with that happening as well if they can find a suitor or someone to take Nick Batum's contract off their hands in exchange for packaging this year's number 12 overall pick I think you have to do that especially because you do have some young talent now even without Kimba Uh, because I'm not doing that if Kimba Walker's not on the roster anymore I'm sticking with Nick Batum we're just gonna let's be bad let's be bad and let's take a chance on this 12th overall pick if you keep Kimba then okay because now you've laid your bed you've made your bed I should say now you have to lie in it And so what you have to do, lay in it. My God, I'm awful today. So what you have to do now is go forward with Kimba Walker and try to get another star. But if you don't have Kimba Walker on this team, then then just stick with Nick Batum and let this contract play out and take a chance at the 12th overall selection again. Well, I think if you have an opportunity to get salary relief, you take it. And, and, And I think, too... We're, we're assuming that the Hornets could be bad with Nick Batum on this team without Kimball Walker. I think Nick Batum would get more of an opportunity, more touches, more usage next season without Kimball Walker. And this team could ac- accidentally not be playoff good, but they could accidentally be sort of where the, the Wizards are now at like 32, 33 wins. So you're not bad enough to really put yourself in contention for one of those top three picks. So I think if, I think if you get rid of Nick Batum's contract – with that number one pick, you're actually getting worse as a team. I mean, you're losing talent. Yeah, but you also don't have another young pillar. And if you trust, like I do, in Mitch Kupchak's talent evaluation, then that means you just you have another year where, unless unless you're switching picks, right? This is all in the context of the direct deal that we just mentioned, the direct option. But if they were to maybe swap picks with somebody, so maybe not getting rid of the 12th with nothing coming in return, but if you were to move down to, I don't know, would you do that to move down? You would do it, period. I, maybe what the cutoff line for me would be 25th overall. Is that something that maybe you would do? I, I don't I don't know if that's the cutoff line for me. I just don't want to get rid of a first-round selection. I want to keep that. I want to keep Nick Batum on the books. If we're going to be bad anyway, then just have him write out his contract and take a chance at another young star, hoping to be another guy like Miles Bridges, which you're going to be selecting around that range again. Not that this really matters, and I'm sure teams don't factor this in at all, Actually, I know teams don't factor this in at all, but the Hornets have no history picking in the 12th position and doing well. They've only picked there one time uh, as a franchise, Bobcats, Hornets. They've only picked 12 one time. Do you know which pick that is? Um, I have no clue. I have a feeling it might be after the first playoff appearance for the Bobcats. Would it be... I don't know. Would it be 09, something like that? It Maybe. was 2009. Okay, that's so You're it was close. right after that appearance, and I just have no. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. And we're not on counting. We're not counting Miles, Miles Bridges, Bridges because he was not selected by the Hornets. He was selected right, by the Clippers, and then he was traded here. Uh, I can't pull it out fast enough. Gerald Henderson of okay. Duke. Yeah. 
What if I, I always forget about that? We're going to open up the show once again. We've both been fantastic today. Gerald, <laughs> Henderson. <laughs> Gerald Henderson is always somebody that I forget now on about. the broadcast. I know. What do you I, think about him on not the broadcast? Bad. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I here's the thing. It's as huh, some of my own vulnerabilities are going to be showcased here. Yeah, that's right. That would be hilarious if if we took this opportunity to trash another broadcaster after the show we've had. Hundred <laughs> percent, please. <laughs> and I'm going to do. What it. a hack, Gerald Henderson. <laughs> Get off of my screen. <laughs> I mean, he, it's it's all about fluidity with him. I like his takes, though. I like that. I think he does have a good voice. I think that he's good at his job. I you know, think there's a little things, but I, I think that once he gets more polished, I think Gerald Henderson's going to be good. I like what he's done. The Washington Bullets from 1985 to 1988, four years in a row, they selected with the number 12 overall pick. That's crazy. What years, you said? 1985, 86, 87, and 88. Yeah. There's no way in hell I could try to guess those, but that's incredible. Hopefully the Charlotte Hornets can grab the next Dr. J out there. I want him to have the next Dr. J fro, which I don't know if we have anybody like that. A Jared Allen, Dr. J type fro that would be here for the Charlotte Hornets, but that would be cool to see. And we'll see exactly what the Hornets are able to do. So go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to get one more trivia piece out here because we're, we're not going to get to talk about the number 12 overall pick for very, for very long. No. So not the first uh, number 12 overall pick was made in 1951, for some reason in 50, 52, 53, no number 12 overall picks. I'm not clear on my NBA history there why maybe there weren't 12 teams except in 51 and then again in 54. Anyway, in 1951, the first number 12 overall pick was selected. It was Scotty Stiegel from Milliken University, that pick made by the Indianapolis Olympians. Oh, my God. I don't even know what that team is. That's my own crib, and I have no clue what. By that the way, team you're is. wearing a Pacers shirt. You've you dared to wear a Pacers shirt after their performance, 74 points. Let me ask you a question: Did that shirt cost you more in dollars than the <laughs> amount of points the Indiana Pacers put up against the Boston? Celtics? I've had this shirt for a very long time. It was given to me by my father, so I don't know how much he purchased it. I'm sure it would be more. It's a warm up jersey. It's a warm up. It's a warm-up shirt is what it is. And so I'm sure it's more than the $74, which would be what exactly the Indiana Pacers scored against They the definitely Boston scored Celtic. more points in warm-ups than they did in the game. You made a good sure. point before we got on the podcast that you know after a Masters weekend that was extremely eventful, very fun, awesome leaderboard, getting to see Tiger Woods pull off the comeback, getting the 15th major, a 74 would not be the world's worst master score. It's no. not great, but it's not awful. Plenty of people shot it. And yet a 74 was had by an NBA team in 2019. Pretty, Tiger's back. <laughs> yeah, Tiger's back with a better score than what really the Hornets put up in points. It was pretty awful. It was about the same, to be honest with you. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or the Himalaya Podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.